0: Please be seated. Well, uh, I want to be somewhat transparent this morning. Many of you know that uh, Mary, my wife, has decided to leave me. She has taken Alayla and Isabella all the way to New Hampshire to visit my in-laws who are not able to travel, okay? That's, that's where they are. So they have been gone for about a week and a half. I hope they come back, but in the meantime, I quite literally have shaved my head and put on sackcloth and ashes because it's been that difficult uh, without them. So I think they're watching this morning, so will you guys please come back? Please. <laughs> please. Um, but real quick, I just want to say thank you to all of you guys who have been looking after me. I think I put on about 10 pounds from all the wonderful invites to go out to eat with you. Uh, you've taken care of your preacher very well, and I am so, so appreciative. As always, good morning and welcome to the Mission VA Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, To our visitors, we are so excited to see you here with us this morning, and we pray that you leave this place encouraged and edified as we collectively worship our Father in spirit and in truth. As you can see and as you have heard up to this point, we can't say enough about Vacation Bible School. Uh, The theme was built to last. We had a Lego theme. We had over 150 children, a host of volunteers from this church throughout the week, and we didn't lose any children. We may have lost our minds, but no children. So that's a very good thing. And I think it's going to be really hard to top this VBS next year. So we want you guys to start praying about that now uh, as we consider what it's going to look like next year. And again, just thank you so much for all your all your efforts in helping us out with that. I've never seen a VBS done so well, I've only done two, but this has been, <laughs> this has been the greatest one that I have, uh, I have seen here. So for the past four weeks, we've been working our way through a series uh, entitled The Jesus Heart, and in the stories of the Gospels, we get a chance to see his heart, and we defined heart as the intellectual and the emotional innermost part of a person. So over the past four weeks, we looked at four different characteristics up to this point Of Jesus's heart. The first being the listening heart of Jesus. We know that he was a man that listened to the will of God, listened to other people. We talked about Jesus having a focused heart and how we should have a focused heart as well. We talked about the importance of Jesus's forgiving heart and how we should have a forgiving heart. Last week we talked about Jesus having an enduring heart. So this week, we're going to be talking about the idea of all of us having a hope-filled heart because we know that Jesus was a man that always carried with him this idea of hope. And I don't know about you, I like that idea of hope. And I hope that all of you have hope, amen, because hope is so, so vitally important to the life of a Christian. So the story goes that a son brought his report card home to his father, and the dad said, son, can you explain the D and the F on your report card? And the son said, no problem, dad. The D stands for doing, and the F stands for fine. And if you put them together, I'm doing just fine. (laughs) This young boy had a hope-filled outlook on life even in the midst of some trouble and i hope all of us have that same mindset when we get into tough times that we can position our minds in a way that brings to us this idea of hope i want to open up like we always do and we have been doing over the past four weeks with this next slide and i want you to join me together as we read this out loud okay it says god loves me just the way i am But he refuses to leave me that way. He wants me to have a heart like Jesus. If you believe that this morning, say amen. 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 God loves you just the way you are. In all your brokenness, in all your gifts, in all your talents. But he doesn't want to leave you that way. We are still being molded and shaped and formed into this image of what God wants us to look like. Which is the life and the heart If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to this next slide here. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. You all know this text very well, so bear with me as we flesh this out this morning in talking about the hope filled heart of Jesus. I want to ask you a question this morning before we even get to the text. And the question is How is your eyesight? How's your eyesight? Ben says, it's not that good, but that's, that's okay. How is your eyesight? Because having good eyes is so vitally important to our livelihood and our outlook on life. You know, whenever you go to the DMV and you get ready to take your exam, first of all, you should have already studied the book. You shouldn't be studying it in line while you're waiting to take the test, but you go and you take that test. And one of the things that they do while you're at the DMV is they ask you to uh, look into this machine so that they can check your eyesight and if you don't have glasses on or if your vision is not well guess what they're not going to give you your driver's license and why is that well because you could be a hazard to other people on the road if your eyesight is not good and when i think about the importance of having good eyesight i think about the words of jesus here in this text the Bible says in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Powerful text. Let's flesh it out together what well, we know from this text in this Matthew account here Jesus had just delivered the Sermon on the Mount so all these people had come to hear Jesus's teachings and as they listened to Jesus Jesus started talking about storing treasures in heaven and your right attitude that you should have and then he gets to this text which is somewhat ambiguous at times but let's flesh it out he says the eye is the lamp of the body well what does that mean preacher it's pretty simple it means how we look at life determines how we live it. Amen. Our viewpoint on life determines how we function as people. So if we have a good, positive, hope-filled, optimistic outlook on life, usually our life reflects that. How you look at life determines how you live it. So the question is, what do you see and how is your eyesight? Do you see problems all the time or do you see solutions that need to be come up with do you see issues or do you see ways to get around the issues you know some people they look at the glass half empty all the time don't they but the God that I serve and the Jesus that I serve tells us we should look at the glass half full rather than half empty but I know some Christians that walk around defeated always looking at the problems and the issues and how the glass is half empty. But Jesus is so, so clear here. If your eyes are good or your outlook on life is good, your whole body will be full of light. You'll radiate that hope-filled heart that Jesus wants us to have. My mom used to tell me all the time, your attitude about life can either make you or break you. And people with a hopeless, defeated attitude often fail. At life, And the God that we serve tells us to always be filled with hope. So maybe this, this next story will help it, us put it into context. Go to this next slide here. It's found in Genesis 39, verses 20 and 21. I'm going to read this, and then we'll set the context. You guys know this passage very well. You know the story here. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, you guys know where we're going with this text. You know the story of Joseph, right? Joseph was this younger brother that the father loved. The brothers were jealous with Joseph so they decided to dig a ditch or put him in a well down there. And then he was sold into captivity, into slavery, bondage. And... Then more difficult things happened to him. You remember the life of Joseph, right? He came into power in Egypt, and then what? he had this, this weird encounter with, with Potiphar's wife. You guys remember that now as it's starting to become clear? Remember Potiphar's wife said, Joseph, you sure are good looking. I don't know if she said that, but I'm just thinking, right? And Joseph said, I don't want anything to do with you, lady. So he decided to run from her. She said, no, I want you to grab his jacket. He, she had a strong grip because the Bible says his cloak was torn, right? She had a piece in his hand, if you will. And Joseph was falsely accused and mistreated for trying to stand up for what was right. As a result of that, he was thrown into prison. And some commentators say that he was in prison for as long as 13. Years for something that he did not do. And then while he was in prison, remember he had some other people down there with him. He had a cupbearer and a baker, and they had dreams. And Joseph was able to explain the dreams. And you remember what he said to the cupbearer I'm going to help you out with this dream. But when you get released, make sure you remember me guess what happened with joseph in that cupbearer encounter the cupbearer forgot about joseph for some time right and then eventually remembered over time so if you think about all the different and difficult situations that joseph encountered in his life he would have reason to be bitter and upset and angry and to lose hope after all he is a follower of god doing his best to live righteously, but all these terrible things have happened to him. You know, Joseph could have been bitter, he could have been angry, he could have been angry at God, but instead he chose to have hope and trust in God. And then the Bible says, at the end of the story, Joseph comes out on the other side a better person and receives many, many blessings so we have a choice in this life we can choose to be upset about the things that have happened to us my upbringing was terrible it was rough and as a result i'm in this situation today and i'm just bitter and upset and angry people have treated me unkindly and as a result i'm angry i serve at the church but my work seems to go unnoticed at times i'm just so up no we should choose to live with hope in our hearts and to have a hope-filled heart and to trust in God. There's something about having a heart filled with hope that can get you through anything, amen? Have you been there this morning? The only thing that got you through was the belief that it would be better on the other side, and that's why the Bible says, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. So we've got to learn to have a hope-filled heart. I wanna go to this next slide. This next passage is found in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 12. Uh, and it's a powerful text, and it talks about this idea of being a prisoner. And I'm reading from this translation that I think puts it so well. It says, come home, hope-filled prisoners. I love that idea, a hope-filled prisoner. This very day I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost returned twice over. I love the way this translation puts it, a hope-filled prisoner. We've got to learn to have hope in the midst of trying times. So the story goes, I must have been 19 years old. I joined the army at 17 and I joined to get away from mom and dad. right? So I joined the army, got away. And one of the things that you have to do during your military time is you have to pull what we call night watch or fire guards. Of all of us that have been in the military, you guys know what that is. You get woken up in the middle of the night, sometimes at 1 or 2 in the morning, you have to put your full uniform on, you grab your weapon, and you have to go to your post and stay up all night. Brian's shaking his head. He gets it, right? So you're sitting there in the middle of the night. You can hear other people snoring, and you have to stay awake. So one night I was pulling fire guard or night duty, and I may have dozed off. Maybe. Can't confirm or deny, but maybe I did, right? Um, And we all know in the military the penalty of falling asleep while you're on watch. Some say that's reason for court-martial to get you in big-time trouble. So I may have dozed off, maybe. And I awoke to my superior standing right next to me. His name was Drill Sergeant Savage. I'll never forget his last name. Drill Sergeant Savage was standing right next to me, and all I heard was his foot tap. So as I woke up and as I turned to him, my eyes were bloodshot, and I said, oh, what am I going to do? So I said, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) He left me alone. Go about your business, Private Darden. Go about your business. You know, when we get in difficult situations, we've got to learn how to change (laughs) our outlook or our vision, right? We can see a place of being defeated, or we can see a way to be victorious. And the Bible says we ought to be prisoners to hope. But you know, some people are prisoners to other things. They are chained to negativity i've met some people that are just negative all the time grandmama used to call them negative Nancys. everything is always wrong all the time they walk around with just a defeated mindset some people are chained to fear they won't leave the house because they're so scared of what could happen or what might happen so they are paralyzed and won't do anything with their spiritual and faith development. They don't want to be challenged. Leave them alone. There are some people that are chained to worry. They deal with anxiety. They're always worried about something. Some people are chained to anger. Their first reaction when anything happens is to get upset and to get angry and to lash out. But if you're going to be chained to something, why not be chained to hope? And the Bible says we should be prisoners to hope. And if we're chained to hope, it means keep it with us all the time. So when people see me, I hope they see a person that is filled with hope. And a lot of people will say that's, that's just naive. That's not reality. It is the truth. The truth is God wants us to be hope-filled people. But oftentimes we lose hope. And when we lose hope, we've lost everything. And I hope there is no one here this morning that has lost their hope. Because if you've lost your hope, that means you've lost your passion. That means you've lost your joy. That means you've lost your love for other people. And next week, we can't even talk about having a compassionate heart if we don't have hope in our hearts. So God wants us to be hopeful people, and to have a hope-filled heart. I want to look at one other passage found in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 24, and it says something so unique and powerful about hope. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he has already has, or hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. There's power in being optimistic and thinking the best. There's something about hope that saves our lives. So church, don't ever lose your hope with regard to whatever circle or situation you're going through. Don't lose it. Well, why can you say that, Jason? Because life can be so hard and so difficult at times, and it's so easy to just want to throw in the towel. The reason why you shouldn't lose your hope is because God sees everything that happens to us. Amen? He knows what we're going through. He sees every single situation that we're in. And as fleshly beings, we tend to always look at what can't be done. We always tend to look at how we can't overcome, but the God that we serve says, this is how you can overcome. Jesus doesn't look at problems only. He looks at solutions. Just think about all the different miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible. People that were blind and deaf and crippled had leprosy problems, right? And Jesus would say, those aren't problems at all. Let me show you how to handle it. And he gave people hope. I want to really end with one passage. It's not up on the slides this morning, so Mike, don't worry about it. You can go to this closing slide if you want. I want to end with looking at uh, Luke chapter 9. I wanted to just just share this with you because this text we know very well, and it's so powerful, and I think it fits the context of what we're talking about. Um, Luke chapter 9, and it's the story of Jesus feeding 5,000. So we'll pick up... uh, Let's see here. We'll pick up in verse number 10, and it says, uh, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds learned of it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those needing healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countrysides to find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. So if you think about this situation, it makes sense in the natural. 5,000 plus people following Jesus, they all were hungry, they all needed lodging, and the disciples were saying, this is a problem here that needs to be taken care of. But you know what? Jesus didn't see it as a problem at all. So what is it in your life that you're struggling through that you think is such a huge problem that that Jesus can't handle? So Jesus says here in verse number 13, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have each of them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up into heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I love this text because at this moment it seemed like these disciples had a problem that they couldn't fix. But Jesus said, hand it over to me, and I'm a person of solutions, and we can figure this thing out. So I want to end with just saying this. With Jesus in your life, you have every reason to have a hope-filled heart, because there is not a single thing that he can't help you through and overcome so don't believe the devil's lie because he is a false accuser and a deceiver and he wants to take your joy and take your hope away but Jesus is here to help you with that so this morning we've got a song of invitation selected and if there is anyone here uh, that is in need of restoration in need of some encouragement in need of hope This invitation is for you. We want you to come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you aren't a Christian and life has just been tearing you up. Maybe you feel like you're in a washing machine just being recycled, uh, bumped right around, left and right. This invitation is for you. Give your life to the Lord. Jesus will restore in you a peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you the ability to have hope in the midst of difficulties. And we hope and pray that you would come forward and put him on in baptism if he hadn't made that step yet. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of imitation? When we walk.